the Dispatches podcast. This is episode three, and I believe it's the first time I've actually mentioned the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> week one, <laughs> week one, we didn't have an official name. Uh, last week, I was so excited to get started that I forgot to mention it. So uh, here we are, very officially, with the Dispatches podcast. Look great, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. <laughs> I think. Uh, Lack shown our customs and border expert, Jonathan Blackham on the line, who is our labor guru, and of course, Stephen Laskowski, our expert on everything to do with Hamilton, Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> and sometimes trucking. <laughs> How are you doing, Steve? I'm good, Mr. Marco. Okay, so we've been hearing at nauseum the term the new normal and perhaps really for the first time uh, it's felt uh, like the dust or shall I say the uh, volcano ash has actually settled and this is really perhaps actually feels like the new normal where things are leveling off uh, as long as we don't have any surprises in the near term. Steve, you would care to predict what's going to happen in the next six months? Asteroids, plagues, <laughs> new Nickelback album. I, I've given up predictions, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now that uh, business is doing sort of a post-mortem assessment on their financial health and looking at uh, the next few months, they're coming to realize it's not a pretty picture. Last week, we spoke about the business condition survey and the level of anxiety among carriers and uh, briefly touched on some uh, potential remedies. Finally, we have some detail on uh, the wage subsidy and how it's going to work. Right, Johnny? Yeah, that's right, Marco. So, you know, the good news for the for the wage subsidy is applications are now open. They opened uh, this past Monday, April 27th. You know, as far as processing goes, you know, there's, it's been a bit of a moving target, I think, slightly. But uh, what we're hearing is uh, for those that are approved, the funds should start rolling out, you know, somewhere in the first week of May. We're hearing May 5th, May 7th. So, you know, for folks that have, have put in an application, that's sort of the rough timeline for the first batch of, of applications to be processed and paid out. That's what we're hearing anyways. Great. What are your early impressions, John? Well, you know, I think so far so good. Um, you know, in the in the association world, uh, sometimes no email uh, is a good thing. So, um, you know, I haven't had too many uh, people, you know, calling with nightmare stories when it came to the the application. So, so hopefully it's going okay with them. But, you know, at the same time, it's still probably a little early. You know, no one's uh, really received confirmation back yet that they've been approved for this. So, you know, when when those start coming out, it, it may be a different story. Um, one thing we do know, though, is that the, you know, the uptake in this is, is pretty strong, I think, as folks probably expected. You know, there were over 10,000 unique applications sent to the wage subsidy within the first few hours. Uh, and by the end of the day, there were over 44,000 unique businesses that, that submitted an application. So, you know, I, I think those numbers are, are by now, you know, much, much larger. You know, certainly if, if member carriers have, have thoughts about the application or, or early impressions of, of it, uh, we're all ears on that. You know, there there are some issues though that that I think I'll point out for people. You know, nothing's ever ever perfect in these world. You know, and it, it primarily has to do with the interaction between the wage subsidy and the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which is a benefit that's paid out to uh, to people who aren't working. 
Um, the government's been been clear that you can't receive both programs or, or funds from both programs. Yeah. The, the, the issue is here, though, Marco, is that because there's a retroactive nature to the wage subsidy, it would be possible for somebody to receive payments from, from both systems. So um, it's just something we, we point out for carriers that if they're bringing people back onto the payroll to maybe have a discussion with them to see if they were on any of these other programs like the emergency response benefit and to just make sure that they're aware that they shouldn't be double dipping into, into multiple programs. Johnny, is, is, is this enough? I mean, what else, what else can we do as an industry or uh, the government? What else can the government do to give us a bit of a leg up right now? Well, I mean, no doubt the wage subsidy is, is helpful. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a massive program with massive dollars, and it is going to be helpful for a lot of, a lot of companies and a lot of carriers. Um, that said, you know, we, we do have other asks on the table. You know, I think it's, it's worth saying, again, we said it before, the trucking industry is not immune from the economic effects of this whole thing. Um, we talked about the last, uh, we, on the last podcast, we talked about our business conditions report. Yeah. It showed that very, very clearly. This week, the Canadian Chamber and Stats Can released the joint business conditions report. And no surprise, much of their numbers lined up with what we reported in our business conditions report for the sector. So, you know, when we looked at key metrics like revenue decreases, cash flow issues, layoffs, and, and other things like that, you know, our numbers lined up uh, within a few percentage points in, in most cases of what uh, other sectors we're seeing and, and the general economy uh, was seeing. So, and uh, and I will say even in some, some cases here and there, our numbers were even slightly worse than what uh, the Chamber and StatsCan were reporting. So, really? you know, all this, yeah, yeah. So, so all this to say, you know, I, I think time will tell if, if what the government has on the table is, is enough for our sector. You know, like I said, we, we do have some additional asks beyond the, the wage subsidy and the programs that are already out there. You know, they're both designed at relief for, for individual drivers as well as companies. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little early to see how those will play out, but, uh, you know, we're hopeful and uh, certainly we'll report back to the industry as, as they move, if they move. So uh, this building off of John's comments, uh, Canadian Trucking Alliance is, does have some additional asks. And the reality is, is that, uh, as John mentioned, the wage subsidy is a good program. But quite frankly, we've done a statistical analysis and a data analysis, and it, it's it's just not enough if, if we want to put some guarantees into the into the supply chain. So uh, what we are asking the federal government is a three month deferral on payroll taxes for uh, for companies uh, with a 12 to 18 month payback as well as uh, increasing the meal allowance for truck drivers facing other cash flow issues. With regards to where we're at with that, uh, last week there was a major development in that uh, it's just not the Canadian Trucking Alliance asking for these two issues. It's other uh, major stakeholders in the trucking industry, such as the Women's Trucking Federation of Canada, Private Motor Truck Council, Teamsters, uh, OIDA, 
and, and some other groups uh, may be coming along as well. So uh, the issue here for, for all of us and for all of our listeners is that uh, we continue to recognize that the, while the wage subsidy is helpful, it's, it's just not helpful enough if we want to secure the supply chain moving forward. And uh, a number of other major stakeholders have stepped forward, and uh, we'll see where we, where we land with all of this. Steve, this has never been an industry as far as you know. I can remember, and uh, I haven't been around as long as you, but it's been almost 20 years. It's never been an industry that goes hat in hand. So, I mean, for, for us basically to be working with the government on these things, this is, this is legit. Well, the, the other aspect to keep in mind, and uh, you know, uh, both the, uh, the Canadian Trucking Alliance Board and the Ontario Trucking Association Board, both of whom I directly report to, uh, have taken an approach that, uh, especially as you see our pay, our payroll uh, measure, it, it's it's money that will be given back to the government. You know, we recognize completely recognize that the federal government is spending billions of dollars to help stabilize the economy, uh, but the reality is they are giving that money out, but with with no expectations of it coming back. What we're saying is we need cash flow injection. We're basically asking for a zero interest loan, mm-hmm. uh, but that's exactly what it is. It's a loan. Uh, it's not just a give, and I think that goes in the tradition of, of our of our industry. Well, businesses are looking for relief anywhere they can get it, and a lot of people's attention has turned to the insurance sector and how, you know, with a fraction of the traffic on the roads these days, risk has fallen drastically, and with that, so should. Uh, premiums. We've seen demands that premiums better reflect the risk in the auto insurance sector. Uh, and now we have news in commercial trucking as, w- as well. What can you tell us, Jeff? So, so thanks, Marco. I, I, I think, you know, of, I mean, we're dealing with a lot of sort of uncertainty and some negativity, but I think with respect to insurance and particularly in the, in the commercial sector, We've seen uh, a lot of collaboration since COVID had started. I mean, we've got, we've got volumes are down, trucks are parked. So, the the messages that we're getting from from our Team Canada Elite members in the insurance business and, and from fleets right across the country is that there's been there's been tremendous collaboration and partnership. Uh, the insurance industry working working with carriers that you know if you have vehicles that are parked or your volumes are down or your mileage is down there. They're making accommodation, so it's it's extremely. I mean, out of out of sort of all of the negativity that we're dealing with, there's a lot. This is this is a positive light, which uh, which which we're uh, which we're thankful for. Can you give me a few examples? Sure. In terms of the responsiveness that that we're seeing, brokers, both brokers and, and insurance companies, have been working with their fleets, uh, providing coverage reductions on premium relief for parked units. In addition, some of the third-party uh, insurance finance companies are also uh, providing relief and extending payment term, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of what's happening for parked units, um, again, it's it's all about risk. And you know, if there's vehicles on the road, there's risk. If there aren't, there isn't. Right. So the um, you know, in terms of parked units, there are some conditions that come with it. I mean, obviously, one of the challenges that we've seen in the past and will continue to see in the future and it's something that the insurance companies always want to keep an eye on is ghosting so if you're parking trucks you need to you need to basically demonstrate that the trucks are parked so whether it's through gps tracking or that you remove the plate so there are some that makes sense there are some conditions uh, that apply there uh, with respect to you know that's that's obviously the risk that's running up and down the road but obviously with uh, there's other types of insurance for instance on cargo um, we understand the insurance companies and the uh, the adjusters are working with fleets in terms of if their if their revenues are impacted. There are there are provisions obviously provided on 
reductions on their on their cargo insurance as well. Right. And you said you had some news about IBC or so so we just talked about sort of what's happening immediately now with with respect to COVID and, and the response from from the industry. I, I think it's important for this group to know um, that and you've seen you saw this prior to COVID and, and we will continue this afterwards in, in terms of working with uh, the Insurance Bureau of Canada has established a commercial industry or commercial insurance task force. Um, trucking was was one of the the items that they wanted to deal with, and we were we were we've had two successful meetings prior to COVID, one in, in Edmonton, one in Vancouver. Tremendous representation from from the CTA membership in, in both Alberta and and uh, British Columbia with respect to to that. So some of the things we've flagged there for for future um, for future discussions with IBC, and again the response has been extremely positive. Are sort of incentives for you know if you if you've employed technology in your fleets uh, that that's working and you can prove that look at uh, sort of how we how we develop that as uh, you know as policies going forward uh, one of the one of the things that quickly came up um, through the discussions and you know something that, that we'd like to work on going forward is the is validating a carrier's insurance so when they apply for license plates or they apply for uh, when they go to renew their their NSC certificates or their CVRs in the Ontario context that there's an actual check, so it's a real-time check to make sure that that fleet has insurance. That that has been a a, a, a challenge in the past. Again, uh, from a positive aspect, both governments are aware of this, and the insurance industry is aware of it. So we're we're looking forward to uh, to continued discussions on that. Awesome. I think on that one too, Marco. Just in, in future podcasts, uh, we'll be talking a lot more about facility insurance and how that uh, sector of of the insurance uh, business uh, is being changed for the better uh, to not allow our, the bottom feeders of our industry uh, to play the games they like to play. And so uh, we'll have a lot more on that in, in coming episodes. I know. Remember like way, way, way back in February when that was a big issue? Yeah, you know, and it still is a big issue. You know, I, I think that uh, you know it's a great, it's a, it's a great comment though, Marco. That uh, look, none of this is lost on us. Driver Inc. Uh, delete kits, ELD uh, certification, ELD certification uh, facility. It's still top of mind in the in this building. Uh, it's just a matter of the reality is that COVID nineteen issues have uh, have taken over the whole economy, uh, including the Canadian Trucking Alliance. So uh, just to assure everyone listening, those issues are not lost on us. And quite frankly, we are working on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is still a lot of work going on behind the scenes, but uh, quite frankly, the focus is on on COVID-19 issues. Well, one thing that hasn't stopped is, you know, cross-border trucking. That's still going on. And Lacus, guess what I'm going to ask you? I mean, uh, <laughs> when we talk about best practices again, <laughs> you know, at this point, I think this I'm going to not like, a repeat of last week's podcast. No, at, <laughs> the, at, at this point, I'm going to like fade in like Bruce Springsteen's Human Touch or that song by the Divinals, which I can't mention because this is a family show. Because uh, every time I seem to be asking you about, you know, the uh, the contact between frontline officers and uh, enforcement personnel. Yeah, so this has been a standing ass of, of CBSA for a number of weeks, and there have been carriers, both large and small, who've reached out to us and said, you know, we, we want to know what what uh, government, uh, CBSA and CBP are doing to ensure uh, not only the safety of, of their officers and their workers, but also the safety of, of drivers who are crossing the border still quite frequently as being uh, essential workers, obviously. So uh, CBSA did provide us some additional information in terms of some of the safety measures uh, they're implementing at the border and, and some helpful 
information to both uh, carriers and, and drivers, uh, which was issued uh, to everyone yesterday. So based on some of the information uh, CBSA was, was able to provide us, uh, they've, they've told us that um, they've taken a number of initiatives in terms of limiting physical interactions uh, both between uh, border services officers uh, and also they've been extens- extensively briefed on the protocols uh, that the Public Health Agency of Canada has put forward in terms of preventing the spread of, of COVID-19. Uh, they have been supplied with a, a large number of PPE, such as such as masks. Uh, they they have told us that their current inventory in regards to masks and gloves is being updated as we speak. Uh, as we all know, getting PE, PPE such as masks and gloves and sanitizers is a bit of a challenge in this uh, in this current environment. And, and saying that, putting my OTA hat on, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the job that uh, Joanne and, and the staff uh, here at OTA are doing in, in sourcing PPE for, for our members. I think we have uh, over 115,000 masks we've been able to ship out to, to members, including uh, cross-border drivers, to ensure they're uh, being kept uh, as safe as possible uh, throughout their, their duties, including cross-border travel. So, Absolutely. I mean, Joanne went from, you know, organizing board meetings and uh, golf tournaments and accounting to being like our own little Amazon. <laughs> right. No, exactly. We see the, the boxes and boxes of, of PPE that are coming in on almost a, a daily basis. So, Again, kudos to them, and I know our members are very appreciative of, of the efforts we put in on, on that front. But getting back to what CBSA is doing, they've been increasing the frequency of their, their cleaning schedules, and they're installing uh, plexiglass, protective barriers, and high-risk CBSA facilities. Uh, they're implementing driver queuing areas, putting tape on, on the ground and in signage to promote physical and, and social distancing. Uh, I should mention that CBP are, are doing very similar things as well. And how are we doing with uh, like alternatives? I mean, uh, last week we spoke about drivers being uh, allowed to use you know scarves or bandanas or things like that, whatever they can get their hands on. Yeah, in terms of the the non medical face mask policy that was implemented at the border, there hasn't been any issues that have been relayed uh, to me from any carriers regarding the policy. I mean, it's not overly prescriptive or, or descriptive in the sense that they're uh, going to be strictly enforcing uh, the wearing of these masks. Obviously, uh, the policy was implemented to mitigate against the spread of, of COVID-19 and all drivers are uh, required and encouraged to wear a mask where, where available. Uh, as, I, as I did mention, CBSA is in the process of getting a, a supply and inventory of masks and uh, if and when those become available at certain ports of entry and a driver crosses the border without a face mask on, uh, they will be given a face mask. So uh, at this point in time, again, no drivers are going to be giving uh, a hard time regarding this. There's going to be no trucks that are, are being uh, turned around. Uh, and again, if, uh, if the PPE or face masks are available, they will be provided to, to drivers as they speak to to border services officers. Right. So preventing COVID has been shared responsibility, and I think our industry has uh, more than done its part. Absolutely, and I think uh, just to touch on one other topic that has come up a, a couple of times, uh, there has been some concerns regarding uh, inspections being done uh, at secondary, and officers, uh, whether they're wearing gloves or masks or 
or not wearing them, maybe in some instances, uh, were being questioned in terms of some of the practices they were employing to ensure uh, that the spread of COVID-19 wasn't occurring. So CBSA has told us that they've, uh, again, told all their uh, Board of Services officers to tell the drivers of the precautions that they're taking in terms of sanitizing their equipment and their gloves and, and changing their gloves and the equipment in between uh, inspections at, uh, at, secondi- at secondary and other measures they're employing just to put drivers and carriers at ease in terms of uh, their ability to limit the, the spread of, of COVID-19, which again, as you mentioned, is a shared responsibility on behalf of both uh, drivers and, and border services officers. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Marco. You're looking at me strangely. I haven't, I haven't been I haven't been this close to you. And, uh, for the record, for people who can't see, I'm actually within within uh, a few feet of lack. Usually, I'm on the other side of the table because I'm a germaphobe. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this podcast. Anything else you want to add, Steve? No, I think uh, you know we'll continue to be uh, fighting for the industry and. Uh, dealing with uh, the issues that matter to uh, to our membership. All right. Sure you don't want to talk about what a terrible draft the Seahawks had? No. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> All right, everybody. Go Dolphins. Bye. <laughs>